Hey, I want you to listen to this. It stopped me in my tracks when I saw the clip. Hello, hugs. It's Dream Phone, the electronic game with the talking phone. These girls having their slumber party with the cool 80s vibe. They're having so much fun. But are they smiling a little too hard? Call guys, get clues, figure out which guy really likes you. So dreamy. What do you say? He wasn't saying anything, but I could tell he's there. <laughs> this clip is for a fictional ad for something like the electronic dream phone, a toy slash board game that you might have played with in the 90s. But this is an alternate version of the game, dreamed up by the team at Quality Scary. What's so scary about a toy phone, you might ask? Well... It's my guy! I love boys. This is Stateside. I'm April Bear. So what is Quality Scary, you ask, the makers of this clip? They're a little hard to describe. Quality Scary is a horror film club, a comedy series, a riff on the beloved Lansing convenience store chain, Quality Dairy, Yes, yes indeed, Quality Scary is all of these things and more. When we road tripped to Lansing to record our show recently, we got to meet the masterminds behind Quality Scary. Emily Sirja, Trisha Chamberlain, and Dan Hartley. We talked to them live in front of a studio audience at Lansing Community College last week. The team tried to explain to us how they straddle the line between what's funny and what's frightening. But first, of course, we had to talk about this dream phone. I have to ask, are you putting the game Dream Phone into production? Because, man, I can totally see uh, that. Scream Phone. Scream Phone. Scream phone. Scream well, phone. I mean, our we got a Dream Phone. Yeah, we got a huge response from viewers on TikTok especially that are urging us uh, to make the game in real life. So we're looking into that. Really? What have you learned about turning a concept into like a tabletop game? It's, you know, you make the cards... And then the next step is figuring the rest of it out. And yeah. there you go. It's just, you know, those two steps. Step one, make the cards. <laughs> step two, the rest of it. Yeah, step exactly. three, profit. Step exactly. three, profit. It's like the underwear gnomes in South Park. Yeah, yeah. I love it. You give them out at Frankenfest. People have a strong response. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know that I've ever seen such an effective mix of, like, sort of kitschy, you know, parody comedy with something really kind of frightening and horror film homage. Um, I'd also love to know what I have to say to insult you enough tonight that you never, ever invite me over for a sleepover. <laughs> well, we did recently invite our audience over to uh, view this slumber party massacre, um, and uh, that, that was an event. I think they enjoyed How'd it. How'd it go? Um, I don't think that it was they good. were It was haunted. Yeah. It was haunted. Yeah, we made it haunted. Yeah, it was yeah. super fun, uh, if you like that sort of thing. Right. And did anybody overtly not like that sort of thing? A lot of the feedback that we get at our shows is, quote, that was the most horrifying thing I've ever been a part of, and I loved every second of it. All right. I, 
you call that a win? Or, or in the case of Eraserhead, they just hated the movie but loved coming to the show. Yeah. Yes. So long and that's we, our goal. That's our goal. So long as we never show Eraserhead again, I, yeah. I think our, our we audience We won't betray our time. audience again. Dan, could you maybe tell us a little bit about like where this whole, how this whole concept erupted in your brains? I mean, there's a little bit of Mystery Science Theater 3000 vibe here, like, you know, reacting with the movies. Um, any other sources of inspiration? Well, so uh, Emily had wanted to do a horror screening series, and I have been working with the Capital City Film Festival for a decade now, and so it was exactly what I wanted to do, and we immediately had to bring in Trisha, um, and we wanted it to be a show that kind of feels like watching a movie with friends, like that's just the vibe that we want. In our show, the Mystery Science Theater commentary comes from the audience itself, we don't do commentary the whole time, um, but we want people to feel comfortable enough to, you know, shout out jokes and make fun of the movie, and it just makes it a more communal experience for everybody. But that was the kind of the idea, and we took inspiration from Mystery Science Theater, but also, uh, do you want to take over on that? Emily? One? Yeah, I mean, Trisha and I have a background in stand-up comedy. We had had a fairly successful live comedy event called Comedy Coven, and that had... I guess we could have seen where this is going. Sure. <laughs> that had a bit of an occult um, bent to it. So we knew that if we were to combine it with our past experience doing a little bit more of a mystery science theater treatment to films like The Craft uh, with the comedy, uh, the Capital City Film Festival, um, we knew that we might be able to have a more collaborative experience with an audience where it wasn't Trisha and myself just standing up and performing. Right. Yeah. We want, we wanted it to be participatory. We wanted it to be an audience experience because that was what we took away from comedy coven and what we heard having conversations with people after we had sort of completed that project. Mm -hmm. And of course, Trisha, Quality Scary is a play on Quality Dairy, That's the iconic right. Lansing convenience store chain. It's a fair use, um, uh, yeah. Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I have to say, though, like if Quality Scary had its own QD, I'd shudder to think what the donuts would look like. <laughs> we don't want to compete with Quality Dairy's donuts. I don't think that we could touch the, any of their products, any of their dairy no, especially products. The We're French huge fans. Dip. No, we don't have a, a pasteurization process uh, <laughs> ready to go. No. It's probably for the best. We need to take a short break. More with Quality Scary in just a minute. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Did each of you have your sort of early encounters with the horror genre? I feel like everybody's got a story about the first movie they saw that 
they kind of didn't, they kind of wished they hadn't seen or maybe saw a little too early. Let's go down the road this time. Trisha, you go first and then Emily and then Dan. Oh, sure. I think that a lot of what we have in common and a lot of the people that come to our shows have in common is that we maybe saw horror movies a little too early in life and that ended up changing us into the weirdos that we are today. <laughs> uh, and for me, that was like a lot, you know, I was born in the 80s and when I was like way too young, my mom was like, I don't want to watch Chucky alone. Like, I don't want to watch Nightmare on wait, Elm wait, Street whoa, whoa, alone. Whoa, whoa, Your mom came to you. Yeah, well, I mean, I said, yeah, let's watch Chucky. Um, which, right, trauma. And you were like, you know, oh, it's about a doll. But... <laughs> <laughs> and wait, I, were you a willing participant in this? I don't really think that a like a you know three, four, five now, year old. What is a child's ability? Uh, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, but I don't. I have no regrets because I still, to this very day, am very much like a spooky, spooky gal. Uh, you know, comedy coven and, and um, quality scary are results of Emily and I both being kind of spooky gals. Right. So we wanted to create a a place for other spooky folks like us. Emily, how about you? What was your early trauma? <laughs> I mean, Dan was on the other end of the phone when I watched Child's Play for the first time as an adult. Um, and yeah, having been exposed to that as a child when I was still playing with American Girl dolls was like, <laughs> maybe not um, something I would have chosen for myself. But like Trisha said, it ultimately kind of put me on this path um, that I'm on where I can watch the trailer for Megan um, and, and and be pretty pretty thrilled um, about every resulting meme. So I, the, I can't complain too much. The 80s and 90s were a wild time for us. We all <laughs> at one point got cigarette ash in our birthday cakes. You know what I mean? So, yeah, And you yeah. see the results right yeah, here on yeah. stage. Exactly. We're doing great. <laughs> Dan, how about I you? I changed nothing. I remember catching a glimpse of Chucky uh, when I was a, a small lad and that really stuck with me. And then I watched it when I was like 35 and I was like, it wasn't scary at all. <laughs> it's so, excuse like, you. I think everybody, like, I, I think, just think a lot of kids read, like maybe they saw, like walking through the room when a little bit of Friday the 13th was on TV or something, mm. but it didn't register, it doesn't register with kids the way Child's Play does. Yeah. And you can just exactly. say, no, well, this is wrong. Well, this and also, is wrong. Yeah, and also trips to like Blockbuster where you're walking down the aisle and you see Chucky on the cover of those. You see yeah. the front cover of Jack Frost and you don't know the difference between that and the Michael Keaton Jack Frost? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, 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 Your no, Your mind no. starts to fill no, in no, all no, the no. blanks. Well, what, I mean, as you, now you're, now you're grown up and y'all have no excuse and you still are into horror. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we do this on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think that there are certain things that, that horror and comedy have in, in common? I'm especially curious about Emily and Tricia since you guys have been on stage with this so much. I, I, I mean, I think that um, we, Tricia and I, when we were running Comedy Common, were often told that we were running a stand-up comedy show for people who didn't like stand-up comedy. And we were often approached by marginalized people, women, and, and queer folks who were telling us that comedy felt, stand-up in particular, felt like an exclusive um, place for them, and that that was something that was that we were creating a space that was warmer for them. And I was just going to ask, when we say people who don't like stand-up comedy, yeah. sometimes it, we're yeah. just saying women. Precisely, yeah. And, and you know, I think that with our show, we frequently are, are told that 
people in our audiences have to brace themselves or maybe read Wikipedia descriptions of the films we're showing before they come, but ultimately they trust us and the sort of um, editorial sensibility that, that, that we hope we have um, to make these these things feel more accessible to people, um, yeah. horror and comedy alike. Yeah. Well, and also watching it with a rowdy group of people who have probably been pre-gaming and are ready to yell, um, it kind of reduces the intimidation factor of the yeah. of the movies yeah. too. We're trying to make we we were trying to make comedy more accessible for more people, and we're trying to do the same with the horror genre. And those two things, like what they have in common, ultimately, is I think that these are both boundary pushing genres of entertainment, and I think that might be why we are attracted to them. At, like as creators and performers, but what we want to do is push the boundary in the other direction, which is like, we don't want to so much scare you. We want to make this, there, horror can say so much and so can comedy. Like they can both open your mind to, uh, you know, different people's plight, like empathy, um, what horror also does is makes anxiety like easier like to deal with. It gives you practice in that. Um, and so both of these genres of entertainment deal with strong emotions and like we're trying to like push the doors open and say, this is for everyone. Like there's something that can be gained from participating in these genres for for any any type of person. Yeah. yeah. It's it's funny you mentioned that because in in some towns that have a that have a really thriving stand-up scene, it's you you get to see extremes of comedic experimentation that's about pushing people's buttons and you know just sort of testing where the line is on different nights with different jokes and figuring out what takes people back and gets them cracking up and what is just over the line. Yeah. <laughs> people and it's not funny. I mean, have you ever had a moment with with the comedy stage? Oh, 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 okay. Emily just gave too Trisha many. <laughs> I would like, if you would, can you pick an example of sometime when you tried something either with Comedy Coven or this series, and maybe it didn't really land? Do yeah. you mind telling on yourself? I mean, I think if, I think as a woman or a non man, I mean, I identify as a non-binary person, but I think as 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 someone who is not a man. In stand-up, you're you're um, maybe drawn to the idea of being hyper-confessional. You might be drawn to the idea of um, being extremely self-deprecating in a way that gets the audience on your side. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time... Especially, I have to say, I think women kind yes. of... Yeah. get expected to do that a lot on, yeah. on stand-up and on stage. Yeah, and I, I, I think that there becomes a norm where talking about your sexuality, talking about your trauma, yeah. talking, you know, about your own challenges um, that are particularly gendered can be, um, require you to be self-deprecating in a way that gets the audience on your side, but is at the same time is a little bit isolating. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I think Trisha and I draw like from a really common experience there. I think that part of the reason that we now screen films that very often are either from female directors or are from male directors in an incredibly unself-aware <laughs> yeah. 
Huh. You um, know, it, way can just going the other way. Yeah, can sort of underline um, the experiences that we had as 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 women stand-ups or people who were stand-ups who were you know in, understood as women at the time. I'm sure that you guys are familiar with Hannah Gatsby's breakout special, Nanette, mm -hmm. where she just kind of like drew the line in the sand and said, "I'm not going to give you myself to laugh at mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. I will still make you laugh, but." I'm done making jokes at my own expense. It was such a powerful moment. You know, it really was. And I, I but I think that um, among, in particular, men in the stand-up community, that was interpreted as not a stand-up special. And so for those of us who related strongly to it or found it meaningful, we had to be really careful about the way that we communicated it because in doing so, we were communicating ourselves as not comedians. Mm. It's really, that's just very vulnerable. It's yeah. a very vulnerable position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's more honest. Yeah. So all of this is happening. This, uh, this, I have to, this cauldron is bubbling in Lansing, uh, which is, you know, it does have a comedy scene. It is not, you know, it's, it's not the kind of place where there's a, there's a club on every corner. But I wonder what you would say about the identity of the scene here and maybe what it, what it, invites in terms of experimentation? The scene, the comedy scene now in Lansing is a different place than it used to be when Emily and I were involved in it. And I, I am not involved enough to say... We're not qualified. Yeah, we, we are not qualified to say what the comedy scene looks like in Lansing. I hope the best for it. I would love to see it thrive. Uh, that's just no longer our space really. Yeah, well maybe Dan we could, you know, kick this open a little bit wider and just the larger arts world in Lansing. You know, are do you see things being done here that people maybe wouldn't try in other towns? Yeah, I think one of the things that's really nice about Lansing is that everybody is rooting for everybody else. Like we I don't think anybody really feels rivalries here or like a sense of competition with anybody else who's maybe doing something similar. But we all Lansing is like the underdog of underdogs. Like mm. we're such an underdog. Nobody really even thinks about Lansing as an underdog. <laughs> um, so we're kind of a, got a chip on our shoulder about it. And we all just want everybody else to succeed. And so when people try, you know, we don't have the story of like comedy, uh, you know, Quality Scary doesn't have the story of like, no, t everybody told us that it would never work. <laughs> no, everybody, like when we started talking about it, people were like, that sounds awesome. Start it as soon as you possibly can. Cool. What resources <laughs> cool. do you want from us? Do you us? need help? Do you need assistance? Like we've had incredible support from the Lansing Public Media Center, from the film festival, from kind of just the greater art scene in general. Like everybody in Lansing wants everybody else to succeed. We all want to live in a cool place. Mm -hmm. What's coming up this fall, you guys? Mm. We have our Halloween show coming up where we are screening John Carpenter's original 1978 Halloween movie. Yes! It's going to be so exciting. It's going to be disco-themed. You know, um, Jamie Lee Curtis was trending on Twitter the other day, and I was like... Icon. Please be another, you know, please be another film. Please. No, she wants to make, uh, she wants to make a sequel to uh, Freaky Friday. Sure. And more Activia commercials. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she I mean, made get poop off my yogurt iconic. <laughs> iconic. We all know because of Jamie Lee. Curtis. You know what Gen X is doing while all y'all are making your movies? Is Gen X is like getting the bills paid. I'm just telling you. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. I'm just, I got it. I got it. <laughs> 
It's not so regular. Sorry. (laughs) Gen X, notoriously regular. (laughs) They're going to write that on my tombstone. (laughs) I want to thank our guests so much. Dan Hartley, Emily Syria, and Tricia Chamberlain. Guys, thank you so, so much for talking to us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And that's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Baer. You can find full Stateside episodes for streaming at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by Ronia Cavansag. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for today's pod came from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you later. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.